and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our great friends at Ditch Witch. Outdoors Dan here, folks. Let me tell you that Bass Edge Television is on Wild TV in Canada, and don't forget the Versus Network, and we're on both all the way through June of 2008. I've got my good friend Aaron Martin, who is the host of Bass Edge. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Dan. Well, I hope so. It's <laughs> well, a brand I'm, new year. It, you should be doing it good. It is, and we get to talk about fishing and all the great things that's going on, so I could not be better. Yeah, now you should be really happy. you got a nice lady joining you this week. Boy, we do. And, uh, you know, Pam is, is an angler that, uh, man, she is just really, really good, and I think it showed, you know, obviously on the show. But just her ability to read water and find fish, uh, she just did a great job. Yeah, and of course we're talking about WBT champion Pam Martin-Wells. And uh, we're also going to go into the edge this week with crankbaits with James Nigemeyer and a whole bunch of other stuff, folks. And Aaron, are you ready? I am ready. Let's get it started. All right. It's all right here on the edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that son of a gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Well, it's that time of year when it's cold. And when it's cold, Aaron, people get cabin fever. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about this last year, you know, stuff to do when people are, haven't got time to wet a line yet. And it's, uh, it's a great time to do several things. Let's talk about boats. Uh, it's a great time to buy a boat because there's a lot of boat shows going on right now well it is and you know one of the things obviously this year that's that's probably a little bit different from past is is just the the state of the economy so a lot of manufacturers and things are looking uh they're they're making some deals you know and obviously they want to move that inventory they want to continue to sell boats so you know it is it's a fantastic time to attend some of these boat shows really get in and look at, at all the options that are available yeah, and you guys are sponsored by? Absolutely, from Legend Boats, you know, and, and that's one of the things that, that new Alpha series that they have that they just came out with that we were fortunate enough to be able to run this year was the Alpha 211. They also have the 199, which is the 19-foot series on that. Uh, but, you know, it's really it's just a quality boat, and the pricing is, is very reasonable. Yeah, now what's on your list? Um, you know, I, I think that I also like to go through my tackle, obviously, as we've talked about before, and just making sure all the things are in place. But, uh, you know, one of the, the things that's very important are the reels. And obviously, you know, we're throwing those Arden reels, and they came out with their new lines that they introduced this year, which is that C400, the XX, XS, rather, 600, and then, of course, their staple, which is the XS1000. So it's another good time to be able to go out and, and shop and look at these different reels and to be ready that when, you know, when that weather does break or when you are able to, to get out on the lake that, that you're ready to go. Yeah. Also, maintenance is also a very important uh, thing to check right now. And, uh, you know, the harder your, your boat is always going to be your batteries. And, and with this cold weather and, uh, you know, after running all year, you want to make sure your batteries are in good shape. But make sure by all means that you go and get the best deep cycle and cranking batteries that you can find. Yeah, you know, and that's that's where I think a lot of people, when, when you store those boats and in this cold weather, you know, the good thing that, that most of the chargers, onboard chargers now, for instance, I have a four-bank uh, charger on 
on board uh, that legend boat. And, you know, those superstar, I run those AGMs now because of this, the simple fact that they just last longer. Um, it's a, it's a battery that I know that I can depend on. And the last thing that you want to happen is when you're out there running, uh, you know, daylight till dark, uh, in practice or in a tournament or just fun fishing, you don't want those batteries to, to come out from under you. And that's the, one of the things that can really shorten a fishing day. And that's having dead trolling motor batteries. Yeah. And you can always find those over at Bill's, right? (laughs) <laughs> over at Bill's. Well, Bill may have them too, but I know for sure they're available at O'Reilly's. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I just said, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> there you go. Bill. Okay, I got you. All right, uh, never mind. There you hey, go. Uh, what's, that, what's that cooking thing that you got on your boat? Cooking oh, thing, well, uh, I don't cook too much, but probably the closest thing to that is going to be that Cook's Tackle System. That's probably what you're referring to. Oh, there you yeah, that's, uh, not. I thought that was for your, your, you know how you are about your Swiss cheese sandwich? Oh, yeah, you know, I, that and the Vienna sausages. I mean, You know, you we gave those, those. we used to give those away on the, on the products. Uh, segments on these podcasts, and I know people that got those were just taken back how wonderful they are. It's amazing. I mean, Daryl yeah. Cook, who invented those, um, you know, I wouldn't, I now would not have a boat without them. I've got them under all of my front deck lid compartments, and I hang both soft plastic spinner baits and then jigs. Any single hook bait adapts to it, keeps them right there re- within reach, and uh, really takes a lot of your storage and, and opens that up because you're able to put tackle on it that you would ordinarily have in a box, you know, trying to fumble through and, and get to. Yeah, talking about keeping in line with maintenance, what I was talking before, uh, kill guards. Uh, you really want to take good care of your boat. And, you know, I know you guys deal with several people. What's, uh, what can you tell them about that? Well, two things on that. One is from the standpoint, as anglers and, and, you know, as competition gets more and more, and especially with some of the low water conditions that, that the South has been having, you know, you've got to be able to get to where those fish are. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that you're always running in, you know, deep, wide open water. Sometimes you have to run through some rocks and boulders and stumps. And, and also with the way the boat ramps are, you know, you've got to be able to beach your, your boat because they don't, you know, necessarily have a courtesy dock. And so keel guard, you know, we're fortunate enough to be, to be able to be paired up with them. That keel guard that's on the, that protects the keel of the boat allows you to pull up on any concrete rock surface, you know, and then also that skeg pro, which, you know, your skeg off the motor, uh, that's a big thing when you're on the, on the boat ramp, if you forget to raise it up, but also more importantly, as you're navigating, you know, through the stumps and the rocks and things like that, it's going to keep it from, um, you know, breaking that aluminum skeg off, off the bottom of your boat. Sure. And I know one thing that people don't really pay a lot of attention to but I, we haul so many rvs and utility trailers for the hunting shows and stuff is the receiver hitch on your vehicles you yeah know, you really want to make sure those are in good working order yeah that's a good point too i mean you know i i have one truck but yet i pull so many different things and you know, that bmw hitch uh it has that tri-ball system an inch and seven eighths a two inch and then a two and seven eighths but also you can adjust the height and then you can you know, tuck it under and stow it away so that when you walk around the, you know, the side of your truck, you're not banging your shins on it every time. Uh, so it's very, very innovative product, and, and it's one that, uh, again, to prepare you to get ready to start hitting the water and doing the different outdoor activities that will be coming up, uh, it's just another great product to have. Well, there you go, folks. There's a whole bunch of things that you can check for, and uh, just go off your checklist at home. We to keep you off your cabin fever for a while. We need to go listen to some sponsors' wonderful messages so we can pay some bills, and when we come back... You get to meet a very nice lady, and her name is Pam Martin-Wells. We'll be right back here on The Edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. 
Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we are back on The Edge, and joining us today is the WBT angler and also champion from year past, Ms. Pam Martin-Wells. Pam, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. Thank you, Aaron. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, have you had a busy off-season, or is there such a thing anymore? <laughs> Well, I don't think there really is such a thing anymore. We've past couple of weeks or so, we've we've been on the road quite a bit practicing for the upcoming championship. We had the Southern Open down in Florida, and now we're back home for for a few weeks. And and I'm studying maps for the championship. Yeah, so now all yeah. focuses on the championship. Sure, sure. Well, that's that's probably where it deserves to be. But you know, beyond the championship. Uh, kind of uh, some nice things that's going on within the women's tour. I know Legend, you know, had stepped up to be uh, really the title sponsor of that, but they, they really have a, a good-looking schedule coming up as well. Yeah, we're looking forward to this year's, you know, WBT schedule. It should be a great year. Uh, the lakes are at peak time, so so we should really we should really have a great year. Well, good. I know that uh, I, I was looking over that list and, you know, I'm a little bit envious because some of those lakes I would really like to be on at the time of year that you're going to be there. But uh, anyway, that's that's another conversation. You know, we got to spend some time together uh, on Percy Priest Lake. And, and really, before we start dissecting the day, uh, maybe you could talk of, of some of that limited knowledge, because really, you know, you haven't been there that much either. That was the first time that I was actually there. Maybe you could set the stage as far as what that lake is and, and kind of what anglers could expect. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, it's it's a deep, clear lake, maybe not by the standards up in of, of a Bull Shoals, but it's a deep, clear lake, a lot of rocky points and that kind of thing. And, and we were actually there, I, I believe, in October and uh, expected the fish to be on the points starting their migration back for the fall pattern and as it worked out actually they had already started in a fall pattern so that was the first time I'd been there in about 15 years and like you said you'd never been there so so we just kind of we went fishing and, and figured out the fish well we did uh, you know and and just like uh really any anglers that would go to say a different or a new body of water you know you can go to the internet you can talk to people you know fortunately i know that uh that you had some good friends there emily schaefer who really kind of gave us a, a little bit of insight as far as what was going on but bottom line you know when we started out expectations and reality were really two different things because you know as as we had really kind of went through our pre-game plan, uh, it didn't really come out to play of, of what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, it really didn't. And, and, you know, like I say, we thought we could start on some points and ledges with crankbaits and Carolina rigs and that sort of thing, and and it just didn't seem to be happening. And and we just kind of, you know, used knowledge and, and weather patterns and, and moved to the backs of the creeks and actually began to find some fish. And, you know, I really do need to thank Emily Emily Schaefer. She was, she was a lot of help because... Like I say, I hadn't been there in 15 years, so, you know, it was a little insight that, that we needed. Sure. Well, and and the thing that I remember, you know, we we did spend a, a little bit of time out deep on some of those ledges. And, you know, one of the things I think that we both kind of looked at each other is when I picked up that shaky head and, you know, you were, you just could not believe that, that we did not produce a bite or, or really, I should say, catch a fish, you know, on that shaky head. And that right there was, was really kind of an indicator of, you know, that we needed to make an adjustment. And, and you did a great job in doing that. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, that was, that was a shock because we were, in, we were in a very classic place. It was in the bend of a creek. 
that come up perfect little ledge, you know, with the current flow and the in the wind direction. It was the perfect ambush spot, and the fish just just weren't there at that time. And we fished around and found where the current and wind had pushed them, and right. it just really started whacking them. Well, and you know, and that brings up a good point because we had some yeah. changing weather conditions going on throughout. You know, that day we had clouds, we had wind, we had calm skies, or calm waters, I should say, and we were constantly dealing with challenges. Uh, do you think that actually helped or hurt the bite? For ultimately, what we wound up doing, it actually helped the bite. But for what we started out trying to do, you know, it was it was hurting it. Yeah, that's for sure. Of, you know, where we were, you know, it would have been better had it been bright and, you know, clear. And like you say, it was cloudy and windy and at some points rainy. And it just, and the temperature was dropping. So, you know, it just, it, it really dictated that we move around and, and find the fish. And, you know, I think one of the, the turning points really was, you know, from there we kind of, went uh went in shallow uh obviously just to, to start out with and one of the keys was on that one particular point that really kind of set the stage for the rest of the day you know you pulled up to it and, and you were throwing that top water bait and we noticed that there was some schooling uh bait fish that were, were were jumping out of the water do you remember that yeah i do you know the wind the wind had and the current was pushing around this point and, and what that caused was the bait fish to get behind this point to try to take cover from from the wind and the current and the and the bass out on those ledges that we had started on had just moved up there and was just feeding like crazy and you know i was throwing a spro top dog which is a, a top water bait and what we found was that the, they really didn't want it moving so the more you know you would pause it and just let the wind kind of wiggle the bait if you if i may you know that's when we were getting the strikes is when we when we were letting the wind and the current make our our baits look more natural exactly and that point that particular area uh, where you caught that that really really nice fish uh you know that was right adjacent to a channel swing uh really very in very close proximity almost on the cha- same channel swing of where we were fishing out deeper but that point also came way out into the lake i'm talking you know what was it i mean it, i i can remember that it it was very hard for us to find a, a navigable passage through all those boulders on the through that shallow water exactly and there you know there again i was using costa del mar sunglasses and i was able to to see those rocks but we we did get on a couple of them but but yeah, it it extended probably 100 to 150 yards out. But once we got around behind it, there was a little bit deeper water, and if you could target your bait right behind one of those boulders that was under the water, that's where the bass was laying, just waiting to ambush that bait. Exactly, and I think you know I, I remember a couple of times being able to see that there was actually just pods of bait fish on top of those rocks and around those rocks, and it seemed like that. The bass had figured that out, obviously, so they moved up into that ultra shallow water, you know, and were sitting there as an ambush point. Yeah, that you know, those bass were, and and I hate to put it this way, but those bass were stupidly shallow. Yeah. <laughs> you would have thought, you know, you'd have thought you'd have saw their fins out of the water. Some of these, some of these fish were so shallow, but if you could get that bait up there without getting it hung in those rocks, and and like I say, just give it a little twitch, and then let the wind and the current do its action. It was unreal. Well, and I know, you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, being able to, to make those long casts, and that, that is one of the things that I appreciated, 
you know, by being able to use those ardent reels to make that those really, really long casts. But you couldn't get too close. You couldn't get the boat positioning too close to those rocks because later on in the day, remember, that the water had actually calmed down. That's right. And, and like I say, the water was clear, so, so you're absolutely correct. You know, we had to keep our distance, make really long casts so that we didn't actually spook the fish. But it was an awesome day. It really was. You know, and one thing, I mean, I think that, you know, you think of Percy Priest, you know, with a, with a deeper channels running through it, that's kind of really one of the first areas that I've seen that the fish actually move shallow in a falling water situation. <laughs> You're right. That That is one of the few lakes. I, I fished one other one that was that way, and I can't recall the name of it now, but normally on a falling water situation, you know, the bass pull out and they suspend. This is one of the few lakes that when the water starts falling, they move really, really shallow. I would like to talk to a biologist and find out what the reasoning is for that, but certain situations and, and like I say the water was falling and they were their fins should have been out of the water exactly exactly you know staging behind those rocks you know another key tactic or a key strategy obviously once we had more or less determined that the fish were holding shallow um was when you picked up that crankbait and you know we went we started working really into the backs of the creeks again staying in that shallow water but you still threw that crankbait in that in that shallow water yeah i was throwing you know a little a little spro square bill crankbait up in that shallow water and, and kind of bumping it off those boulders and there again it looked like an injured bait fish running through those boulders and you know they were eating it because if you could get if you could get any any shallow water like that where the bait fish was holding which is really a typical fall pattern but at the time of year we were there it you know it had been warm enough that it shouldn't have been that much of a fall pattern but that just goes to show you fish can change really quick, and you have to stay on your toes. You know, no, no question about that. And and I, I also remember that, you know, on the on the top water bite, it, you know, you think of this when, when you think of top water, you think of it just absolutely crushing. You know, I actually picked up that spinning rod and combo just to be able to throw that smaller bait and let that sit still, like you were talking about. But those fish would just kind of suck it in. And then when you picked up that crankbait, it was really the same way. It was like that. I mean, they were eating it good. Obviously, they had it down in their mouth, but it wasn't like they were just running 100 miles an hour when they hit it, you know, uh, taken off with it. Exactly. They were they were very subtle bites. Like you say, there were several times when you top water. I mean, there was no, no big splash or anything. It just kind of sucked under, similar to a bluegill or something, and in the same way with the crankbait. I don't know if you recall this, but I was reeling it in, had a fish hit it. He come off, and another one hit it, and he come off, and I was like, doggone it, and I stopped, and as my bait was floating up, I just saw one just come up and just gradually just suck it under. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that. And, you know, do you think that was more because of the area? Do you think it was more because of the bait or a combination of the boat? I think it was a combination of both, you know, with like like you say, with those big boulders and that gave the bass a perfect ambush spot and they were just waiting for something to kind of just come lazily swimming by, you know, that the, the bait fish weren't threatened because of all the cover the bass had to hide in, so so they were just kind of just sitting there waiting for something to come swimming by. Normally when you're looking at, at that those types of situations for that time of year, are you specifically keying in on trying to find bait fish, or is it more about uh, being close to the main channel? Well, a typical fall pattern is the shad and stuff migrate to the backs of the creek, so normally you would look for a greater shad population because the bass are going to follow those. They're feeding up for the winter because they know once it gets cold, you know, food's going to be scarce. So that's typically what I do in a fall pattern situation is, is I'll look more for the bait fish than, per se, a, a, a classic point. I see. Because, 
Because as you know, we fished a classic point. <laughs> yeah, <didn't> <laughs> and we got a classic zero. <laughs> so, but uh, you know that, that some of the, those those creeks that we had ran back into, you know, the they were just laden with shad. I mean, you could see so many shad that they were just the water was just boiling on top and you know working on top, which sometimes can can cause you to freak out a little bit because it's like, okay, when they have this much bait, how in the world are we going to entice them into biting? But there were certain subtleties that we keyed in on, um, you know, that ultimately was able to work. Can you talk a little bit about some of those subtleties, like in the backs of those creeks with the points and the boulders? Yeah, well, you know, in the backs of those creeks, like you say, it was it was very subtle little points that had boulders on them. It was, it was there again, it was the perfect ambush spot. There, there was. The whole back of that cove must have had millions and millions of bait fish in it. You would think, you know, bass would be anywhere, but, but they were positioned specifically on those points, on the back sides of the, you know, the wind-blown points, you know, waiting for the bait fish to come by. And they were very subtle. You had to really pay attention to your surroundings, your depth finder, and, and watch. You know, because it, it, it wasn't much of a point. Exactly. And and some of those, you know, with some of those points, there were little ditches that came right up against it. And when I say a ditch, you know, we were looking for a 6 to a 12-inch drop uh, is, is what we were looking for. Uh, you know, following the terrain and, and the bend around of where that that actual little little creek channel came up against that point. Exactly, and, and you know, all that is 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 bass highways. Exactly. You know, they're they're going to follow they're going to follow a trail just like a deer follows a trail, and any little any little thing like that that's different that gives them a path with a little bit of security because it's you know, like I said, it was a little bit of a depression. That's the kind of things they use to follow to to get in and out of these creeks. Yeah, in our and in our last closing minute, you know, Pam, um, when when you're thinking about fall type fishing or any type of fishing for that matter, you know, what is a good place? What's a good way to start for a lake, uh, maybe that you have not been to or are not that familiar with? On a typical fall pattern, I would pick me out a, a big cove. I would start at the mouth and kind of gradually work my way back, hitting points and pockets and that kind of thing until I found the bait fish, and, and ultimately then you'll find the fish. And with crankbaits, topwaters, fast-moving baits until you find the fish. And then kind of pick it out once once you actually start getting some bites. Right. So. Then, you know, analyze what you have done and, and go from there. Pam, unfortunately we're out of time, and, and the good thing is that, uh, you know, as cold as what it's been, uh, maybe we would be wishing it was fall right now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of fishing ahead. It's going to be a great year and, and certainly wish you the, the best of luck in the upcoming season. Um, but before we go, how can listeners get in touch with you uh, if they want to shoot you a question or uh, an email? Okay, they, you know, if they have a question, they, they can send an email at prostaff at bassedge.com and that's the that's the best way and, and you know we'll we'll respond as quickly as possible well pam so much appreciate your time and thanks for being part of the edge and uh, best of luck in the upcoming 08 season thank you very much and we appreciate it what a great interview pam martin wealth uh she really is a nice lady you can just it just comes right through the receiver you can tell it in her voice yeah and she was a lot of fun to fish with you know that was a uh, down on percy priest lake outside of nashville there she had only been on that that body of water one time and that was like 11 years ago i wow. had never been on that body of water so to hit that it, it was just a, a great great time and, and she did a great job yeah i love the way that she alternates her crankbaits I think, you know, I, we've, I've always told everybody, and the way I was taught when I learned to fish um, and when I try to do seminars on them is, you know, crankbaits are the fastest way to cover the most amount of water. And if you fish from 9 o'clock till 3 o'clock before you move from a position, you're thoroughly going to fish that area. But she goes a little bit farther, 
and talks about not only all-day cranks, but also the topwater. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that, that was interesting, anytime that anglers go to a body of water, a new body of water, yeah. you know, you all, there's different steps that you can go through. One is, you know, obviously the, the Internet and all the information there, but also is just um, if you have resources or contacts of being able to contact people in that area. For instance, Emily Schaefer, who is also a number, another WBT angler, uh, who lives there close by. Obviously, those two travel together on tour, but Emily was also instrumental in providing suggestions and saying, hey, you know, try this, try that. You know, if this doesn't work, try that. And that's really what we did. You, obviously, you still have to go out and, and be able to expand upon that, but then Pam was able to kind of take the knowledge from there and then be able to execute them. Yeah, well, it sounded like it, and it just sounded like a lot of fun. It was, it was, but the thing that was so important was finding those bait fish, and and the interesting fact that those bait fish were holding around those those shallow boulders, and Percy Priest is kind of a river system through the canyons and the valleys, so it's deep in the channel, but then once you get out of that channel, I mean, it comes up on these bluffs, and you have these great big massive shallow flats with these boulders and wood and everything that's scattered on top of it, and what we found that these little pockets that had those boulders in them in, say, a foot to, you know, a foot and a half of water, those shad or those bait fish were congregating around those boulders. Well, those bass would move in around those boulders to be able to ambush the, those bait fish, and that's why that, that crankbait and especially that topwater bite worked really well. Uh, what about crawfish, man? Did you suppose crawfish like in there? Were you doing anything like that? Or you know, we didn't. More they, the they have a, obviously, you know, uh, jig is, is, a, is a bait that works anywhere. Percy Priest uh, certainly a jig will work very good. We did not pick up a jig um, much. You know, we tried it. We didn't get a response. And the reason being is because the the bass were so focused on on feeding on bait fish. You know, uh-huh. that's really what they were going after. So unless you had something that resembled the bait fish, um, they weren't. You know, it, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Well, I was just curious for being around all the boulders. And stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a ton of crawfish there. Well, what a great interview, Pam Martin-Wells. Thank you very much. And at this time, we need to go listen to some sponsors' wonderful messages. And when we come back this week, Inside Ed. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are on the edge, and joining us to talk about crankbaits is our Bass Edge Pro Staff member, James Nigmeyer. James, thanks so much uh, for taking time out to, to talk to us. Hey, thank you for having me on, Aaron. I always love to talk about fishing. Hey, me too. You know, one of the things, uh, I'm going to ask you to do the impossible here, but maybe what we need to do is narrow it down a little bit. When you think about all the numerous crankbaits, the different body styles, all the things that go into selecting that, you know, can you help us, I guess, put some of those pieces of the puzzle together? I need some of that advice as well as trying to narrow down that selection. I, I don't even, I don't count my crankbaits anymore. I, I weigh them. I got pounds and pounds of them. But really, really, you know, bill shape and angle are, are going to be two of the things you're really going to want to look at and focus on when you're selecting a lure for wherever you're going to be fishing, whether it's a river or a deep reservoir, whether it's clear water, stained water. You want to look at the angle of the bill so it can tell you exactly whether it's going to be a deep runner, 
or a shallow runner. And that, you know, and then in that way you can choose the right lure or the right tool for the job. So when you say angle, uh, you, you know, we're actually talking about how aggressive uh, the downward point of the bill comes off of the actual bait itself? That's right. If it's the steeper it is or the more, um, let's say, vertical or up and down, mm -hmm. the, the shallower that bait's going to run. The longer it extends out and, um, and is more horizontal, say, in front of the lure, the deeper that, that lure is going to run. And, and those two things are you going to want to take into consideration, whether you're, whether you're fishing um, outside on main river points or main, uh, main lake points or fishing shallow bays and, and backwaters of a river. You, you're definitely going to want to choose your lure that's going to run at the depth uh, you want it to. You want it to run into the bottom and, and, and onto different things and into the cover and, and deflect off of rocks or wood, but at the same time, you, you want it to, to be effective in, in the water you're going to be fishing. So mainly, mainly you want to look at the type of water or the application of which you're fishing it prior to selecting that crankbait. You bet. You bet. When you get to the lake you're going to, or even prior, you know, you're going to go to, say, whatever lake it is or river. You think, okay, well, these are the areas I want to hit, and uh, the lures that I'm going to want to choose are going to be, whether, let's say you're fishing a shallow area, you're going to want to fish a more shorter build or one that's more vertical and um, it kind of runs up and down instead of out and in front. And that way you can fish a little shallower bait in, in shallower water with it. So what effect does the shape of the bill have on, the, on its action? Well, the shape of the bill, whether it's rounded or squared off, um, a squared type bill is going to actually deflect and come through cover a little bit easier. You can actually almost crawl some of those type baits through, through a brush piles or wood or even around docks and different things like that. They're actually pretty... Um, good at coming through cover. Now the rounded ones are going to you're going to typically run deeper. Uh, these are going to be ones that are uh, extend out further, and the ones that extend out further will actually come through cover as well. They'll actually crawl over rocks and and different things like that. And um, a squared off one will just have a different deflection and maybe a different look that the fish are going to want to key in on that particular day. And so you're going to want to keep your your options open as well. You may have two different baits that run the same depth, but uh, have a different uh, angle on the bill because it'll have a different deflection, and those fish might key on one over the other. So you may want to have a couple uh, of different selections there just to let the fish tell you what they want. You know, another important factor is body profile. How how big of a you know factor is that um, you know in its performance? Well, you know, a slender body bait or a flatter one is something that's going to be really it's going to be more effective in clear water. Those clear water fish. Uh, they they feed more on site. They know what something looks like when it's real and it's it's running through the water, and they can they can kind of scrutinize it. So you want the most uh, kind of a tight wobbling, something that really looks like a fish that comes through the water. Now those rounded body ones, um, whether it's rounded or bulbous or however, those are the ones that you're going to want to throw in the water when the water's stained and the fish don't have a uh, a long range of vision. And this is going to emit more vibration in the water, and it's going to just put out more pressure waves. The fish can key on it from a distance where they can't see as well as they can in the clear water. And then in our last closing minute, James, as far as two things, one is concerning color, you know, how do you select your colors? And then secondly is the hooks. Do you change them or do you leave them factory? Depends on the crankbait you're throwing. Some crankbaits out there today, they come with great hooks. And some of them don't look like they're great hooks, but they're really sharp. So just, just take a look and make sure that the, the hooks are sharp. That's the number one thing before you go changing any hooks. Number two on the color, my gosh, you know, um, I try to keep that simple. You know, you want some, something that's in a chartreuse for dirtier waters. You want something that's white or, or shad patterned. 
or like looks like a bait fish for for clear water and 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 definitely like a crawdad color that can be used in dirty dirty water or clear water and sometimes those white colors work well in stained water as well so those are the basic categories of colors that you're going to need for any given day in any body of water you're going to go to well james all great information unfortunately we are out of time i know uh you're on the schedule here in a few more weeks to come back and and provide some additional information any closing thoughts or comments well, I, you know, I love to hear from the listeners, and uh, so send your messages or emails to prostaff at bassedger.com. All right, James. Well, we'll be talking to you in the near future. In the meantime, uh, best of luck out on tour. Thank you. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, we're back outdoors, Dan, here along with Aaron Martin and uh, crankbaits all over the place on this podcast. Absolutely, and James is certainly well qualified to talk about that. So That's pretty cool. Folks, this is the point where we want to hear from you, and to do that, all you need to do is do two things. You can either go to the website, which is just strictly bassedge.com, or just shoot us an email or a text at prostaff at bassedge.com. And when we get that, we'll have your listener email questions and a couple different things. One, we can put them on the web and answer them there, or we can put them in our newsletter. And if Aaron's really feeling charitable, we might even put a couple right here on the podcast soon. I miss it, Aaron. I'm sorry. I do. I do. And we've got a couple of those already sent in, so they, I'm sure those will be on uh, on next week. You know, yeah. you're, you're kind of the producer of this thing. you you gotta, you got to... Give, give me some slack on which questions to pick. We have so many good ones, you know. Yeah, well, first off, first mistake you made was putting me in charge of anything. <laughs> Second thing was producing and me do not even belong in the same sense. So uh, that's all I'm going to say. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Hey, the newsletter is out, and there's some pretty neat stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. What did you uh, What did you think of, the, of Steve's humor? Uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah. He he likes to uh, likes to pick on me a little bit, but it's it's very very good. You know, one thing about it is that's all exclusive content, so you don't want to be left out. So make sure that uh, if you haven't done so, uh, be sure to go to the website at BassEdge.com and get your name on the list and get signed up for that because uh, it's it's again it's going to be an ongoing probably large laundry list of things that Steve will be talking about. And, Dan, I'm sure you're probably going to rank at the top of that list here in short order. Of course. I'm always at the top. Cream <laughs> yeah. rises, man. That's right. Uh-huh. Hey, next, I'm just teasing, folks. Don't take me seriously. Next week on Bass Edge TV, Alton Jones joins us to fish vegetation on Choke Canyon. I'm not even going to say it. I'm just moving on. BassEdge.com <laughs> highlights both for Choke Canyon Lake and Techniques Views will be there. And then finally... Next week on The Edge is Alton Jones sharing his expertise on flipping vegetation. And you know what? i got to take exception to that because nobody flips morel mushrooms like I do. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, speaking of Choke Canyon, though, this is uh, one that you don't want to miss. You know, the uh, Professional Anglers, PAA, is having a qualifying tournament that will then advance anglers on to uh, the event that will be held in april on lake fork and a lot of people have not seen choke canyon so make sure that uh you know that you get out there and see that because you're going to get to see firsthand what those anglers will be competing on in the type of body of water 
Absolutely. A lot of great tips coming up on Bass Heads TV. And, folks, we're out of time again. So for Aaron Martin, this is Outdoors Dan, BassHeads.com. Go check it out. Till then, we'll see you next time right here on The Edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, V&W Trailer Hitches, MegaWare Keel Guard, Cooks Tackle Management Systems, Ardent Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstart Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.